This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. How you doing, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ready to Record from Blue Girl Studios, proudly sponsored by VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and SimCorp Productions. My name is Daniel the D3 Cohen, I'm your host, and I'm speaking to you from Blue Girl Productions' worldwide headquarters and studios here in my garage. I'm a 20-year-old aspiring musician, engineer, and producer, and like many of you guys, I make music out of my own home studio. You know, some of today's biggest hitmakers work from home studios, so maybe we can help one of you accomplish your big dreams. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to talk about our sponsor, VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and SEMCORE Productions. VFX Unleashed is a complete accredited online VFX school where you can learn how to have a career in the visual effects industry in classes taught by industry professionals. There are programs in all major aspects of VFX production and software, including Photoshop, After Effects, Maya, Nuke, Cinema 4D, and many more. Online, fully remote classes start every eight weeks, and a full VFX studio within Amarillo College's Innovation Outpost will open next year, which will have a state-of-the-art soundstage and motion capture studio. You can check out all that VFX Unleashed has to offer and enroll today at vfxunleashed.com. Thank you to VFX Unleashed and SEMCOR for being our very first sponsor. We are proud to have you. Now, let's get into the show. Today we have part two with Adam Eggert, so let's get into it. Back to the amps for two seconds. You know, you. I'm just curious, when you were doing tech work and you were doing the, you know, apprenticeship, what was the stuff you were doing in that? I'm curious to know what, what that looked like. Anything I was told to, uh, I did stuff as simple as tube and tunes, uh, a lot of recaps. You, you know, we're we're in a place where you can drive an hour north and you can be in farm country. Oh yeah, um, Petaluma, sure. And 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 I, my 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 mentor, his name's Phil Milner. He was actually on the podcast. Um, he uh he spent part of his life growing up in Hawaii, and then the other part of his life growing up. In, in not necessarily completely rural, but in a town called Mendocino, up, up yep. north of San Francisco. And so he has a lot of Mendocino friends um, come down with basically barn fine blackface vendors. Um, and, you know, what do you, like you did building a 5F1 champ, what do you start a, a, an apprentice on? You start them on, uh, you know, point to point hand hand wired blackface vendors because right. they, you know you can you can read the schematic easy enough and you can see what that schematic means you know um so i've i've done recaps i i did um tube and tunes uh pot replacements um there there was a lot of uh there there was a lot of stuff like that it very 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 simple stuff the the more 
you know, when, when we had to pick apart amplifiers, save for when I would bring in my own amp, um, I have a 64 uh, blackface uh, uh, basement head. Um, so yeah. save, save for when I'd bring in my own amplifier. Um, it, it was, it, you know, as soon as something needed to be like, okay, we're, we're taking this, we're, we're throwing the signal generator at it and we're, we're testing every point in the signal path with an, uh, an uh, 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 oscilloscope. Right. Um, that's when he would start jumping in as far as, you know, when, when he would, uh, not let me be, take, take the lead on amplifiers. Right. He was doing more of the triage work. Right. 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 But, but, when, but you were standing there learning. Though, I was standing there learning. And oftentimes I was the one, you know, sending this, the, te the test tone from the signal generator. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's great. I mean, you know, it's the way to learn it, you know, and it's really not rocket science. No, it's easy. Once you, when you understand where the signal path is and you just, you touch those points, you, everything pops up and you, all of a sudden you see something fucked up, you know, up oh, it's between point A and point B. <laughs> well, right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because running, running an oscilloscope to a lot of people seems very daunting. And, and you think to yourself, well, I guess if we're doing really heavy electronics where we're controlling uh, variable voltages through a step drum transformer and we're creating some kind of um, movable uh, variable kind of control with pulse width modulation, then right. yeah, and gating and doing gating and making sure that timing signals line up and all that kind of stuff. Yes. That's a right. Point. That's, that's when oscilloscopes become difficult, but you know, at, at an amp shop, when you're running a sine wave at, at a given point and you know how, how much of that sine wave uh, you're, you're putting through a signal path and you're reading that sine wave on the screen of your oscilloscope. And we were using analog scopes, you know, we're, we're not, we're, we're, we're not in a, in a position to be using digital stuff. Not that we couldn't, but it was, you know, cost, cost prohibitive. And, 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 Honestly, you know, God, I, God love the digital oscilloscopes, but there's a part of me that prefers analog scopes for amp repair because it just makes more sense. Well, I don't know why it makes more sense. I, I would say this much. I it, have only analog mind. scopes. I could pick them up dirt cheap <laughs> and they work and it's just drawing a picture for me. I just need to see the pictures clean. That's really right. It, right. Know? That's really it. I mean, yeah, you know, there are times where you want to know that it's amplifying a certain amount, right? You want to see, be able to see the change. You want to see, you know, the drop in the signal, and you know, you know, as it's coming out of, you know, the reverb circuit. You want to see it go back up when it comes out of the recovery. You know, you want, you want whatever it is. You know, all this stuff you want to see, you, you can see it. It's just, to me, it's just visual more than anything. I'm, I'm not even... I'm not even looking at what settings I'm on. I'm putting it in and I'm dialing it till I could see it in the size that I need to see it within right. in, the, in, in, in the screen, right? So, which, which is why I prefer analog oscilloscopes because you can just turn a dial. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, no, there's yeah. no doubt. I mean, well, you know, there are some digital oscilloscopes you can turn dials, you know, but eh, right. another, but, uh, another discussion. But yes, at the end of the day, I use an analog scope too. <laughs> they're easy. Right. They're affordable. Right. They, they do what we need them to do. Right. No, it's interesting sitting in those positions, you know, you learn all the little things about what's going on inside those amplifiers. You know, like which way the, 
the foil points in a on a tone cap, you know, little stupid things like that. Mm-hmm. Phase, you know, phase on your heater circuits, you know, all these things that really matter, you know. Right. As how I the, said, how, how the feedback I, loop is created in a vibrato circuit. Well, technically a tremolo circuit, but on old Fender amps, they're labeled vibrato, so you just call it vibrato anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you know the reality is most people don't even use that anymore. Right. And they just don't, because truthfully, it's not a good sounding one, no matter how well it's set up. You know, there's much better versions of it, and the stuff that comes at your feet these days blows it's it fantastic. out of the water. Blows it out of the water. Which is why the basements are popular. Because you don't well, you don't really need the vibrato sir. Yeah, but you know, the thing about a basin, you know, basements are great. I in the stuff that I do, and I'm not gonna say for everything, the stuff that I do, you know, um, you know, I find that when you look at the black face circuits, and they all are they're all really good. Okay. I'm not gonna say there's really any bad ones, okay? They all sound great. It really, for me, keeps coming back to the ones that have that certain je ne sais quoi Mm -hmm. that I find myself gravitating to are the ones with the extra gain stage. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Super, Showman, the Twin, the deluxe reverb, you know, those are the ones that just have that little extra thing, you know, and, yeah. you know, that's that. And, and and I've watched some of your videos, by the way, you guys are great. I mean, I think you, ha- you, know, you guys are having epic amounts of fun and it's really, it's fun for me to listen to and, and check out, you know, where you guys are going. Um, you know, with danger eight. Um, I just wondering, are you guys wearing ear protection in that room? I hope. Uh, my, <laughs> my, my keyboard player wasn't, uh, my, my, my drummer and I were, it, it really, it, it you know, it depends on the day. Uh, we're, we're, we can, we can, uh, ear protection is always available. I, I always have it in the room. Um, and especially when we're recording something, we always have headphones on. Um, yeah but i'm talking about ear protection okay now you're going to get the old man yelling at you (laughs) all right here's the old man i'm flipping my switch listen sonny (laughs) no but for real you only got one set of them okay and when you're around audio as much as you are and you guys are and as i was and your dad was yeah everybody was okay you're going to F your hearing up real bad unless you use ear protection. Go out. I mean, for what you guys are doing, go get a mold, get it, you know, real in-ear ear protection made. Spend the 150 bucks. Get yourself stuff with the right filters so you can swap them out for different situations, right? And do it. And if not, spend 17 bucks on Amazon and buy yourself the ones that have the good filters that are sonically good. Because let me tell you something. If you look at any of us, at around 2K, 
there's major hearing loss, three, four, five dB for the hearing loss. And there's major ringing going on. Okay. Um, tinnitus is a real thing. I have friends who have been playing for years who are miserable. They're going crazy right now. You know, they can't get away from the ringing in their ears. Right. You know, it is, and this is for your, this is also for everybody who's listening. There is nothing that you can, is more important in this musical world than when you are in the room playing or on the stage or watching music to putting in-ear protection in your ears. I carry a DB meter on my phone. And every time well. we yeah, and every time I'm standing a show, we went to see Gary Clark Jr. Um, at the Paramount, which was awful. The, the, <laughs> the, the, I mean, he's great, but the 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 it's the building's made of brick and it's got a hardwood ceiling. It was built in the 1920s, and they've got, I mean, they've got a Meyer double stack on each side array with i i gotta think the array has each side has 20 speakers in it this is huge i mean it could play the garden and this place holds 1500 people okay yeah that's that's ridiculous the, right and the subs the subs are the size i mean they're five times the size of the room so i'm standing next to the soundboard we had to leave we were up front and I will tell you, the, the, the sub signals were so painful to our chest that we had to leave. There were 10 people in front of us, okay? We went back to the soundboard and I stood right next to the sound guy. Literally, arm, like his, his left shoulder was no further than six feet from my right shoulder. Okay, so I was standing in the sweet spot, okay? Right. And you couldn't hear anything. I took out my DB meter and it was fluctuating between 112 and 116 A-rated. That's outdoor venue volume. No, dude, that's that's landing planes volume. I mean, it's it's this is what you're up against. You go into a little club, and you know, I know from what we have, it's still partners here. You know, we have we have guys who are amazing players, really well known guys, and I won't mention them, but they they come in. I have one guy. They come in with forty watts of amplifier, and they put it on a little bar stage that's not that the place is at max at 110 people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's way too much. Way too much. I can understand using a Marshall Major in a studio where you have the stack sitting in a room, soundproof room, and you're recording it because you want that tone because that's what it is, you know? Right. But there's no place for that in anywhere. You don't even need it on the, the garden anymore. In fact, it hurts on big stages using large amplifiers. Should allow sound reinforcement to deliver you your sound and use a smaller amplifier so that you have less mud and everything's, you know. You don't have mm -hmm. to play to the cheap seats anymore because you got an array. Right. I don't know. You got you you just you just hit my hit my sore point. <laughs> <laughs> you just hit my sore point. Yeah. But you know that's it. So I'll stop talking about that now. <laughs> no, it's it's an important topic. I mean, I've I've um uh, growing up in amphitheaters, you know, ha has certainly not helped my hearing. 
I've I've luckily been able to keep most of it. Um, I, I've got about ninety five percent of of what I would like. It drops off around seventeen, eighteen k, which is not bad for for me. And and there's a little bit of a dip in one year from like two to three, and then three to four, four and a half in the other year. Um, so you know it it is it is of utmost importance to me to to keep that because I do work in loud environments. Actually, you know what's been funny has been uh, working uh, in the in the live, in the uh, in the amphitheaters, and you know you got to talk to your guys either in, uh, in person or on the radio. And something that's been kind of interesting is I I just bought a couple months ago um, a set of AirPods, the the Pro versions, which uh, have active noise canceling. And the strange thing about it is the active noise canceling um, in these when it's a loud source like that, surprisingly acts vaguely similar to what the military gives uh, soldiers for active ear protection so they can still have normal volume level conversations, but their weapons fire won't, they, they can barely hear it. Um, well, that's, that's what this, this stuff is really designed well to do because what it's looking for is really fast impulse things, things that mm -hmm. are constant. The the DSP is thinking that it's vo voice, right? Because it's consistent. Right. It's looking for the anomaly, right? And it's easy to see that, and it's an easy to, to pull that down. Right. So yeah, yeah, the, the active stuff is great. And, you know, I have the pros. I have a pair of them. They're sitting right here. I'm actually picking them up as I'm talking to you. And they're just sitting here. They haven't been used in months and months and months. I got a pair of these things called the these Edifier. Hmm. They sound twice as good as the pros. And they're much less expensive. I've got a couple of pairs. I have a pair that I use when I'm, you know, using my phone. And I have a pair that I use. I'm using right now with my computer, you know, mm -hmm. that's separate. Um, I, I, I find the base on the, them to be much, much tighter and, and deeper than the pros. And the pros are really good. Don't get me wrong. And if you're using Apple, they, you know, they integrate much more seamlessly. Well, right. Which, especially when it comes to the new computers, new phones, new tablets, once you update to the latest operating system, uh, your AirPods, you don't have to disk excuse me, you don't have to disconnect and then reconnect per device. Once you have everything connected, you can jump from your phone to your computer, to your tablet, and, it will, and, and you don't have to pay attention to connecting your AirPods. They're just there. Right. You know, there's, um, just to give you a little shot here, let me see if I can get the name of them. Um, so there's tips. What the hell is the name? I know I have it right here. Yeah, okay. So there's a company called Comply. Hmm. Comply makes, you know, replacement earphone tips. Interesting. They make one that's for your pros. 
and they're foam. They're disposable, but they're closed foam, so they last really well. And they and they fit in the case. Fascinating. They're ten times better than what you have on them now. You ever notice like when you start sweating, they start loosening up a little bit? Yeah, right? and I I use I use these for um. I, I ride my bike with these. Yeah, go online, so. buy yourself a set of complies for the iPhone. I the I, I the I uh, the the pros go. You will be blown away. Good to know. Yeah, there you go. Little, little. I know. They should be paying me. <laughs> they should be paying you. They should be paying me. Yeah. So you know. But again, ears. It's all audio. You want to hear it. You got to be able to hear it. Right. Yeah. Right. We we don't want to be uh. We we don't want to be Bach, or Beethoven. What one of those guys with with well Beethoven. You don't want to be Beethoven. Well, you know, I mean that was only at the I mean and he seemed like a pretty that he was things went pretty well for him, you know. That that's a that's a funny thing, you know. We 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 stare like in life, we could look at the pain that other people experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the end, you know, and moment to moment, you know, people who live in their lives. I can't say whether Beethoven was, you know, a content person or not, right? Um, I could say that I know many people who deal with major handicaps. And in because of their handicaps, it brings them to a place where they can find epic joy in places that others can't find that experience as well, you know? So... Yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff to say the least. Sort of goes. We're we're veering into where I'll get uh, spiritual on you, Daniel. Be careful. <laughs> well, I think we've already we've already gotten into a spiritual experience. It just was uh, a little more hidden, <laughs> hidden within the circuitry. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I can't really. It's funny. I I I don't find there's a separation between. The spiritual nature um, of the experience of working with somebody to build an amplifier and then immersing oneself in the process of being present and inspired to realize that inspiration um, than, you know, what it would be like to, you know, have some sort of, you know, really epic church experience of of you know witnessing god right because it's really all the same stuff um you know just just a tremendous amount of appreciation and gratitude you know to really everyone that you know one comes in contact with um in the process of you know creating right you know um whether you're painting a paint picture or whether you're building an amplifier or, you know or you know, writing a book or doing a podcast or anything, you know, there's, there's just this innate connection that we can bring to that moment. And in doing so, it, you know, transmutes the experience into something that's, you know, much more present and connected 
you know, um, and that's what I've really, really witnessed and I'm tremendously grateful for in, you know, this work that I've been doing with, you know, building amplifiers and dealing with tone and helping pros and, you know, sort of just being there for it, you know? Right. Uh, in the end, that's the reward, really. I'm not getting rich doing this, that's for damn sure. You know, it's uh, really just for fun. And there's a ton of that, to be sure. <laughs> well, if you weren't having fun, I don't think it would be worth it, would it be? Well, yeah, no. I, I Yeah, I guess. I mean, is, one, is one aware enough of what it is? You know, so much of us are just sort of just beating the same drums and doing the same things because we have some you know, belief structure around the fact that this is who we are and this is what we do. That it's really being open and available to sort of what is going on and, and being available to the inspiration that brings about what the next thing is, right? And yep. whether that's something that's completely unrelated to what one's doing at the time and it's something new that one's doing or whether it's the thing that drives one deeper down into the next stages of whatever is going to be within that thing that they're, you know, present with and focusing on. Um, and there's so much crossover. There's so many times where I'm like working on, you know, like building a pedal or something, or I'm building an amplifier and, you know, it's like, oh, I put all of it down because something else comes out of it, you know, just from being present with that and being available to it there's some inspiration for something that's going on in my business, right? Mm -hmm. I drop that for a minute and I go, you know, I do that. And I flow between these different activities and different states. And there's really no difference between them. It's rather transparent. Um, it's like just being a, riding a leaf down a river, you know, and it's where the river takes you and sort of being, you know, you know, accepting of where one finds oneself when they're doing that um, enables that kind of multi-process to be effective and you know like we say joyful I say joyful on you know really all boils down to joy for me um, and I'm you know I, I've gotten a lot out of that you know looking at it on a whole As I'm talking to you, I'm looking at circuits. Like I, you know, I have on my computer, I pulled up a bunch of different things just in case I wanted mm -hmm. to reference something, you know, in my head. Sometimes I'm, right. I'm I right. tend to find myself more visual, right? So I have, you know, certain diagrams up that I've done over the years and stuff, and I'm looking at it, and, you know, and I'm looking at some of the stuff, and I'm like, I remember, oh, yeah, that's when I figured that out, you know, just in our conversation, which has been, you know, a lot of fun. I will tell you, as I told you, as we were coming into this, I, I don't really get in my head much anymore. You know, I used to reside there all the time. And now these days it's much more, you know, signal flow, <laughs> low states, right? It's much more right. about being there. And I found, you know, when your dad said, you know, hey, you, when are you going to come on my kid's podcast? You know, <laughs> 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 and I'm like, 
Is that when are you inviting me? I've always invited you. I go, well, I haven't gotten invited for a specific time, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just let me know, you know. And but and there was a little bit of something that I don't experience. It's like I had, you know, the the the, the the determining factor of being in hell is having fear, right? Fear is hell, right? Sitting right. in the moment being worrying or fearful or, and really fear can be defined in many different ways and, you know, usually falls in a different, in one way, but fear can also be like being overly excited about something too, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I, I experienced fear around doing this with you, which was interesting, you know, knowing what I do and how I do it and not being like the picture of what I would have looked out as like, you know, somebody who's like an amp builder and does it for a living and sells hundreds of amps a month, you know, thousands of amps a year, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Um, residing in a, in, a, in a small little world of a subset of what brings me joy versus being like, you know, like Richie Johnson, who I had mentioned before, who any amplifier that hit his desk, he knew. He could look at it and smell it and know what the problem was. You know what I mean? Um, he didn't even have to open it. You know, it's like that kind of guy. Um, and not being that. And really, I got in this point of really judging myself, which was really interesting to observe and watch, which was a tremendous gift that I would thank you for because it was just the recesses of this little crap that I've let go in my life over, you know, really the past five years um, that sort of reared its head. And I was like standing back looking at it going like, wow. Here you are. Isn't that interesting? I spoke with my girlfriend, Christina, about it. And we were like, she's like, this is amazing. She was so happy for me that I was experiencing all this pain. <laughs> she's like, this is the best thing that could ever happen. And she's 100% right. And I, I, and, and I would be saying the same thing to her if she was experiencing that too. Because it's out of these moments of having, you know, uh, what I call contrast. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, the contrast of, the emotions around I'm not good enough, you know, which is the, the root of it all, really, you know, uh, justifying oneself to other people and, um, you know, feeling that I was not good enough, you know, um, which of course is not so. I'm perfect the way I am, you know, as we all are. Um, uh, but having those egoic moments, um, you know, really brings a, around a tremendous joy and it, it was a real, real inspiration for me to really wake up again into, into this through this conversation. So I really want to thank you tremendously for having me here today. Um, I got, I, I'm getting, and I have gotten, but I'm getting a tremendous amount out of it. Um, so thanks. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Oh, man. You know, it's been a joy. It's been a joy. I do remember. Do you remember meeting me? You probably don't. A very long time ago. Very long time ago. You came, you were in New York, and you came to my backyard. I had made barbecue for your dad. And we hung out in my backyard. Um, you were running around having a good time. I found you to be really interesting back then. I was like, I knew. I got, I, I got that you were going to be sort of who you are today. It was pretty clear then you've been who you are for a very long period of time. and. Um, it was yeah. really joy joyful to meet you, really, really wonderful to meet you um, back then. I don't know if you remember that. We had a pretty good day. It was a fun, fun day. You, you, can, you can thank my mother for that. <laughs> oh, okay. 
yeah. Yeah. Uh, when 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 your reaction to being away from your your son for an extended period of time uh, when he's a year and a half old is to get him a guitar, you, you, you know, you know, she's got something to do with it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, your mom's mom's sh- one of the sharpest tools in the shed. So, yeah. You know, the limited amount of time that I spent with her, she's pretty brilliant. Um, you know, both your parents, they've uh, carved out, they definitely beat to their own drum and have done, you know, they followed that path, you know, and, you know, haven't wavered, which is very, very, very impressive. Um, tremendous role models for the type of dedication that they bring to, you know, what they do. Very much so. Yeah, Very no doubt. So. Absolutely, no doubt. Um, wow. So what else you got for me? Any other questions or anything? I, you know what? One has been boiling in my mind because you've, you've talked about the spiritual experience of having a connection with somebody that you're, you're collaborating on a build for. And I, I know you're doing the building, but I would, I would consider... And, and maybe you disagree with me, but from 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 the way you describe the way you build, it's always a collaboration in that you have to you have to really feel out and understand uh, this person and be able to be able to accept the idea of building for this person. If you don't click that way, then that that can't take place. Um, but i'm I'm very curious. Is is the way you build? It, are are you always going to end up in a room with that person listening to their playing? Could could you build off of a video or off of a recording or off of a tone? I mean, I, I'm sure you could in theory, but is that is that a way that your head could work, or is it no? I have to be in a room with this guy and understand, you know where where his heart is in this room and and where where that and and how that translates to tone well i would i think i can do anything as anyone can do anything i mean the word you know can is an open-ended thing that only reveals possibility right very true so i mean i can do anything what I've noticed and witnessed in myself and what I, you know, I really don't know anything. No one knows anything. Once one thinks that they know something, time to go back to the drawing board because that shuts off everything, right? What I've witnessed and which could change is that there's, it's really an energetic, what I'm doing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the, the work that I'm doing with the guy I'm building for, when that's my, when that's what I'm doing. Because, you know, look, I could build an amp. I put them out on backlines and people love them, right? But right. when I'm involved in that process of actually what drives me, which is building for somebody, I tend to be drawn to witnessing their experience in their playing. 
and seeing where they're uncomfortable. You know, witnessing their body language, witnessing their, when they're playing a solo or when they're copying something underneath something or when they're playing rhythm or when they're doing whatever it is that they're doing throughout their performance. It's sort of witnessing where I see them and witness them as not aligned with what's going on, which means not that they're not playing amazingly because these guys are virtuosos. You know, they're all going to be, most people won't have no clue that they're not having the experience that they're, that they, that they would deem themselves destined for. Right. Um, I see it and I see them having the experience. And then when I talk to them and I say, yeah, you know, I say, he says, yeah, you know, I know right in that moment, I was like, I'm like, yeah, I get it. And that's because of this, I think, you know, and then I, I said, you know, let me think about it a little bit. I think we could do, I think I know what the issue is. And then I describe, or define with them what I witnessed and why they weren't comfortable in that moment with what they were doing. And it, what comes from that is my ability to have the trust that one, I see it and hear it and feel it, respect it and all of that. And then I can translate into, into what's going on and what they're using as to why it's not doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then present them with something that gives them Maybe not the full opportunity to do it, because remember, it's them. It's not me. It's their hands, right? And that they then trust. Because at the end of the day, if they're trusting it, it works. No matter what. Because that moment of being transported away from that, the presence within the performance is not there because they're trusting it and they're just doing it. They're not thinking something's wrong, right? And that's really the, the nuance in the whole thing. You know, there was a great story. I forgot who the tech was. Some great tech out in San Francisco. It was at the Fillmore. Um, and there was some band playing at the Fillmore. I, I don't have all the details of the story, but it, I do have the general story. Clapton was backstage, hanging out. And he's like, look, the last band's going on. All the rest of the gear from all the other bands are gone. <laughs> like, look, I got to know. Is Clapton coming on to play or not? Because I got to be able to have an amplifier for him, you know? And they went and they asked Clapton. Clapton said, no, 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 I'm not playing. Okay, fine, not playing. Great, you sure? Yes, not playing, not happening. Of course. Everything's gone. Clapton's going to play. <laughs> How does that work? Doesn't have any. He says, listen, all I got is a small, my small practice amp that's in my truck. I'm going to run out and grab it. Small, solid state, little one eight practice amp, you know, in the late 60s, like the worst kind of amp in the world right. that you could ever use, right? And they figured out they're going to put a mic up against it so it can play through the PA or whatever they're going to do to get it to go. And he's like, this is going to sound like shit. Oh my God. He's like, I, I asked them, you know, he's like justifying to himself how he's going to get this thing to work. And now it's not going to work, but he's believing it's not going to work. Clapton walked up, plugged in, and when it sounded, it was fucking Clapton. It sounded just like Clapton, you know? 
No two hands or butts because Clapton is Clapton. Clapton stand up there and he's going to be him regardless of what he's playing. Through. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. that ability, which these guys have in spades around everything else, except sometimes these little things that just, they, they want to reach for something and it's just not there because the palette they believe is not there. And when you believe something to be so, it's so. This is the spiritual nature of this whole thing. And what I've found, I have the, you know, the privilege to do is to be there, to lay certain things out for them so that their palate's there, so it's there when they reach for it. So there's a trust. So they stop worrying about whether it's going to be there or not, and then it happens. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's that's what I do. These are the best players in the world, in my opinion. It's the stuff I like to listen to the most. Somebody who can hold a note 50 different ways till Sunday, bend it in a way that can take your heart up and down from the bowels of hell to heaven, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Dynamics. Of course I okay? do. Right. These guys can do it. And God knows that's not what I do. Right? I'm not that player. Never focused on it, never tried to. I didn't sit in my room, you know, from the time I was, you know, eight years old until the time I was 18, not trying to get laid, only working on my craft. It's not who I was, right? These guys, they just have that. You know, they have that innate sensibility. So when they're presented with a platform, like a really great amplifier, a couple of pedals, not a lot of shit, confuse everything, but just the one or two things that when they step on it, that next thing happens, right? When they have that, and that rig is something that's like, the way they hold a fork when they eat, they don't even have to think about it. Um, that's where the magic happens. So when you ask me, can I do it over a video? And if I could see the guy enough, gal enough, and witness them in that and have a good enough sound system to hear what's coming off the amp. Remember, not off the PA. You know what I mean? Right. The PA is not what it is, okay? But what's coming off the amp? Yeah, I probably could. You know? Mm -hmm. I probably could. I'm sure I could. Would I want to? I don't know. <laughs> no clue. I know that I really enjoy the interactivity, like what we're doing right now. Personally, you know, having this kind of thing. And we're having this through computers, so maybe I could do it. Um, didn't have to be face to face. We're not even up on video. No, we are not. We're not. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. Um, it's not necessarily what would drive me. Like in sitting in this moment, I'm not inspired to say, Hey, like when you go to the dock in the box and you have the virtual visit, you know, Hey, yeah. play your guitar for me right now. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Let me see all your cables. <laughs> Like all that kind of stuff, it wouldn't be necessarily um, what would drive me. I do know that I stand in front of a lot of guys playing and that there are some people that I really believe that there's something that can really help them there. And I do know mm -hmm. that there are plenty of times I'm standing listening to the way they're being mixed and probably what they're hearing through their in-ears. That is another thing that's, you know, just killing them. 
right? Um, you know, because sound guys today, you know, there are certain guys who are amazing, okay? Don't get me wrong. There are amazing sound people out there. But most of the guys who are doing sound today, they know how to turn knobs. They know how to run the gear. They have no clue how to mix. And they're not listening at all to what's out there. And I'm not saying I could sit at the board and do better technically because I just don't know that gear. I don't still play with it. But I will tell you, I could tell them what to do. You know, um, and, you know, this is what these players are up against on a regular basis. You know, you know, what is your stage sound? You know, nice to get somebody out on a small stage, you know, yeah. where they can really hear themselves. Mm -hmm. Tilt the amp up a little bit so it's playing into the back of their head. So they can really judge their volume and understand what they're bringing to the mix, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you listen to so many bands today, and they're just so so loud. And then you hear the bands that the guys were just so—they've been playing together for a while. They know what sound sounds like, and it's like the mix is perfect. They're not too loud, you know, and the sound is awesome. You know, and and it's—I think so much of so much of this is the shepherding of that concept. That sound it's sound reinforcement's job to sort of be what I've been describing here and what it means to help somebody get good tone as well, you know. Um yeah. and there really are not that many who do that any longer. And with the advent of in-ear monitors and everybody being mixed, the mix that's happening inside the monitors is what the guy's asking for, right? Now the gal is asking for to hear inside inside. They have no clue what it's sounding like to the audience. They just don't. Um, and that adds a little bit of a dimension to it. I mean, you listen to so much of the tone that's out there right now, and it's all super processed. Mm -hmm. I know a bunch of great players who just play with like MIDI effects and emulate every yeah. amp so that. They emulate playing through a Tweed Deluxe on stage. And the next song they emulate playing through a Plexi. Yeah. And, it, you know, look, I mean, in certain ways it's effective. It's that the way they work. That's wonderful. And, and you can hear that it's not that. There's nothing like the sound of one of these amplifiers playing as if it's about to be murdered and killed <laughs> yeah <laughs> well well you know working in an amp shop listening to listening to amplifiers far too loud for a tiny garage you know uh, there there is we used to get line six amps in spiders and dumb shit and, and we'd have to do factory resets and pull random bullshit out of out of these amplifiers and you know there, God love the digital emulation and all the modeling crap, but there's nothing like voltage coming in from a magnetic field being excited, and 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 you know that voltage turning into an audible sound being amplified through a through through a through a real speaker moving air. There is nothing like it. Yeah, welcome to analog. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, listen, I, 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 I agree with you wholeheartedly. And there's been some really amazing amps that I've heard that way. You know, it's just, there's a friend who was in uh, a band, the band with us, the gen band with us, wow, Chris Reale. He had purchased his first amplifier. This is just a fun story. He had purchased his first amplifier from like Sam Ash in Manhattan, the original Sam Ash, right? Mm -hmm. It was a used amp. He had bought it in like, I mean, I guess maybe the early 80s or something, right? Sure. And he bought the amp and the guy who was selling it to him said, you know, said some interesting things to him. He said, look, man, this is an incredible amplifier you're buying here, right? And he was like, okay, whatever. So he bought a 100-watt Marshall Plexi from the guy. <laughs> okay, so huh? he paid like 300 bucks or whatever it was for the amplifier. And, he, and the guy told him, he said, now listen, I can't really prove it. But you have to understand, we believe this was one of Hendrix amps. And the guy was like, you know, like, cool, whatever. But, you know, of course, he just figured it was some sort of sales tool, right? Mm -hmm. So Chris said to me, he's like, hey, Adam, listen, would you take a look at it? It's not working right now. It needs a new tube socket i think that's blown and there's a switch that's blown and i said i said listen to me i could do this amplifier but let me bring it to my buddy richie because you know, richie johnson who i was telling you about because richie does this work and this is this is a vintage amp piece and if you need the parts he's got the original parts for this amp you know and truthfully he's probably worked on more of these than any human you've ever imagined so if with this amp i don't want to screw it up you know what i mean because it was early on in my building career you know what I mean? Right, I didn't right. want to screw with it. And I've sort of made it a point to not fix anybody's amps because they don't, everyone would come to me, right? And I don't do that. I don't have time for it. It's not my job, right? So I, I would always send them to Richie. So I send to Richie. I, he says, would you bring it over? I said, sure. So I, bring, I said, Richie, I'm bringing you over something pretty special. He's like, I tell him the story. He's like, he says, of course. He goes, Adam, wait. Said, okay. Because the guy wants to sell the amp. Mm -hmm. He has it on the bench. He hasn't even opened it up. It's turned around to the back side, right, of the amp, on the plexi on the back. And there's a sticker there. He goes to his amp book. He goes, picks out Hendrix, picks out the pictures, opens it up, and the back of the amp is the exact same back of the amp. It's the amp that's in the book. Okay? <laughs> it's Hendrix's amp. Okay? Without any question. Right? So we're sitting there going, like, what? So he has, you know, like a 1959 or a cabin. I think it's a 1959 cabinet sitting there, like original one. And then he, right. he fixes the amplifier and he sends it out to everybody. Look, this is sitting here in the store right now. Does anyone want to play it? <laughs> so like all these guys come out of the woodwork. And at night, because, you know, they couldn't turn it up in this little store with all the other stores around. These guys launched into it. And when you hear amps like that, with these guys playing, and it's the real thing, and Richie had all the parts, 
everything original. Put it back to exact original. Retubed it with all the original tubes. Like set it up perfectly. I think I don't know what Chris got for it. He got some crazy number for the amplifier. Well, of course, it's Hendrix's amp. Yeah, but it's still not blueprinted. You couldn't prove it. You know, because somebody could just put a sticker there. You know what I mean? You know, I, it doesn't have the provenance. It didn't come from Kramer. It didn't come from, but it was the amp. You know what I mean? And he right. probably had six of them. You know what I mean? That looked exactly the same with the same yep. service sticker on it in the same place because he bought them all at the same time. And he probably traded this one in for like a bunch of different gear at Sam Ash, which he did. This is what the guy did. He would go down and say, oh, take this amp and give me 12 of these. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Right. And like, it, it was like that. And that's the way it happened over the years. And, you know, but it went for some crazy money. And, but when you hear those amps, you know, and, and yeah, there's Mojo believing that it's Hendrix's, but the reality is when you hear that amp, which would be the same amp that, um, you know, um, Eddie Van Halen played through. And the same thing that, you know, Clapton used in Cream. And, you know, the list goes on and on. Right? It's the same, it's the same amp. But, you know, when you hear these things pushed in a certain way, there's no way of truly approximating it. One, because the shit's playing at such epic power that the visceral experience of standing in front of it, it's not just what it sounds like. It's the visual experience of being slammed by it. Yeah, that 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 brings that out, and and it's the same for all of these amplifiers. And like I know you know them because you were throwing out all the model numbers, but each one of them is like so different. You yeah. know, no, every yeah. every one is, yeah. A five e three is not going to sound like a seven six four, uh, champ. It's not. May may say the same name on it, but it's not going to sound the same. And and between <laughs> between the different models is definitely not going to sound the same. Once you start looking at all the offshoots, like we were talking about, the Plexi is basically just a five F six clone with some modifications. A Plexi sounds nothing like a basement. I mean, it vaguely does, but it doesn't. They're they're right. all different. Have you ever heard of five E nine? Uh, never in a room. No. If you ever get a chance to. That'll be as close as you get to that amplifier I was telling you I built for Chris. Hmm. Fascinating. Mine's a little different because it's voiced a little bit differently. It holds together a little bit better, but it it's basically a fixed bias version of the 5e3 with a trem circuit in it. Hmm. Take a look at it. Really, really killer circuit. Fascinating. Do you have any of those small amps in your in your studio? Well, no. I mean, yes and no. So I I um I have a sixty four basement and a sixty eight bandmaster, and I have the basements matching two fifteen. With I haven't opened the cabinet in a long time, but I believe it's D one forties. Yeah, D one. Um, no, not D one forties. They'd be D one thirties. Yes, you are correct. Right. Um, yeah, but go on. I'm sorry. Uh, and so, so I have the I have the big forty fifty watt amplifiers. Um, and then even my even my one twelve combos, I have a pair of uh, 
Polytone Mini Brutes. One that Those I are great use. jazz amps, boy. Great They're amps. great jazz amps. And as a and, and when you stack them together, um, using them either with an extension cabinet or take the main out and slave one of them to the neck to to the second one as a master. Um, they're a impressively powerful bass rig. At 100 watts, it's quite impressive as a 212 stack. Once you start, um, actually, one of these I got from Dave Schwartz. Right. And then the other, and then the basement was Schwartz's amp as well. Um, but uh, I, I, I have, I have the big amps. But who has the small amps is my uncle. Um, who I've I've turned his attic into a bit of a recording studio, and he has. He's got a. I have not looked at the date code on the transformer, but I'm gonna guess sixty six, sixty seven, um, vibro champ, blackface vibro champ, um, and so that's that's the extent of my of my small amplifier, uh, uh use it regularly. Anyway, I'm I'm over there a lot. I record a lot through that amplifier. I record a lot with his guitars. He also has one of the reissue Princetons, and I want to dig into it and change some of the because it's all surface mount in 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 those you know reissues. Uh, you know, he didn't get one of the USA Custom Shop Princeton reissues. You know, he he didn't get the the brown face uh, Chris Stapleton signature Princeton non reverb, which is all you know point to point hand soldered. So I've I've wanted to make a few modifications, but as far as small amplifiers, small fenders, things like that, that's that's what I use in the day to day. I've played plenty of five F ones, five E ones, if I'm remembering that uh, date code correctly. But uh, the the stuff that I play is primarily blackface, and the stuff that I own is blackface and silverface and higher wattage. Yeah, I, I get it. I guess now known as medium, middle of the road wattage because high watt amplifiers are. 100 150 watts these days but yeah the, the the my my the majority of my playing is you know the the piggyback heads through a 215 yeah well the 215 cabinet is i mean look man that's that's I it's mean, otherworldly no those speakers are truthfully 15 inch speaker that's the best sounding speaker around i mean mm -hmm. I, I you you can't i will not argue with you i would I would have you ever thought of building an amp? Um I my uncle and I have constantly talked about getting a um 5E3 Tweed Champ uh kit from Mojo Tone. I've also looked at plenty of blueprints. I've I've even I, I've even taken a couple of different basic preamplifier and amplifier ideas and toyed around with them and made made a couple of modifications to circuit design and schematic based on my time and you know oh we can up the voltage of that resistor there you know there's 10 watt 10 watt capacity why uh so you know i've i've done those things but actually finally doing execution now rebuilt a lot of games. blueprints yeah shit. you know daniel you're there man just go build yourself an amp and i'd say <laughs> the 5e3 is a fun thing to do um but for what you you know, listen, that's un undeniable. If that's the tone you're looking for, then totally do it. If you're looking for something, you now look, if you're playing out, you can't bring 40 watt amplifiers around there, around without master volume control. They're just too big for any place to play.
Have you been enjoying this conversation? I know I certainly have. Tune in next time for part three with Mr. Adam Eggert. Welcome to Gear Talk. Now, this is a topic I have spoken about in the past, but I think given who I have on the show today, I might as well talk about it now as well. I want to talk about amplifiers. Now, amplifiers are something mostly grouped in with musicians, and I think that's a fair thing to do if really your only job is to be a musician. But it really is an important part of the recording process, too. The thing about amplifiers is that they're most of the sound of a guitar in any recording, at least any electric guitar. And quite frankly, your choice in amplifier may even matter more than choice of guitar. It also comes down to choice of speaker. Now, this is something that Adam and I had spoken about to some length and will continue to in the next part of our conversation. But the fascinating thing is that speakers, cabinets, and amplifiers may make up more of your guitar tone than the guitar itself. And given that it is turning the electrical signal into acoustic that we can hear, it may even outrank your pedal board in terms of tone. Now, you can do a lot with amplifiers, and you can shape... So you can make your guitar and pedals sound the same, or you can make them sound completely different. That's the beauty of these things. Now, because of that, amplifier choice is really paramount. It's kind of why you never see a dude in a black metal band playing a Fender Bassman like I have in my studio that anyone from funk to classic rock guys would play. Nor do you see jazz guys playing a 150-watt Laney head. It's just not done. Now, while an amplifier is an amplifier is an amplifier, and as Adam had said, a lot of this is just left over from old manuals from companies like RCA, there is a lot of individuality in an amplifier. And that is why a lot of rooms may not have guitars, aside from the fact that you bring in your own instrument, but they have a lot of amps. I mean, think about it. If you play a Fender Deluxe, it's going to sound way different than if you sound a Fender Twin or even a Bassman with a 215 cab like mine. And if you look at something like a Dual Showman and Twin Reverb, they're both 85-watt Fender heads. But realistically, they don't sound the same, even if you put them through the same speakers. Now, for those interested in building, I think you guys have the most power of all of us because you can customize your own amplifier to the tones that you are recording. And if you're somebody who is really cool and understands how to do modifications like Adam and I have been talking about, the sky's the limit. Even if you don't, you can look up a lot of stuff. And like Adam has mentioned a number of times, the Rob Robinette forums are incredibly useful for people new to amp repair and building and want to learn what it's like. Now, for those who are newcomers in amp building or even amp repair, I highly recommend looking up some videos, looking at Rob Robinette's website, and learning what it is. Like we keep saying, it's not rocket science, and it's really fun, and if you have a 
spare weekend and some decent soldering skills, you can kind of do anything you want. Now, be very careful with this hobby because it can be dangerous and it could, in theory, kill you if you're not careful. But aside from understanding obvious dangers, do what the hell you want and enjoy making your own tones for your own recordings. Welcome to Music from Blue Girl. Today I'm going to give an update on The World, which is my collaboration with Will Magid, Gordon Clay, and Tommy Sola T. Shepard. Uh, this is still in the rough mix stage, and it's going to change a lot over the next couple of weeks, probably over the next month or two. We're hoping to have this out by next month. We'll see how we do. Um, but here's a sneak peek. Enjoy. everyone thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed listening as much as i enjoyed talking to all you special major big thank you to mr adam eggert i am so glad we got to have this conversation and i'm so glad we get to share so much of it to everybody listening tune in next week we're gonna have adam eggert back on the show for part three of our conversation we're gonna get into some more nitty-gritty of amplifiers you're gonna love it i know i did as always there will be more gear to geek out on and more music to share with all of you but for now this is Daniel the D3 Cohen signing off from Blue Girl Productions Worldwide Headquarters and Studios right here in San Francisco, California. We're ready to record. <laughs>